Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. We are about uh, just about 50 days away from the start of a new year. So for uh, today's edition of Liberty and the Law, uh, I thought we'd ask Attorney James Dore of Lavelle Law to maybe give us a little insight uh, on some laws. Um, now, some of these were recently changed and, and probably didn't get much notice or will be changing as we head into 2020 and uh, do require some conversation. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And uh, you know, as James brings more than 20 years' experience as a criminal defense attorney, I, I thought we'd focus our attention on laws impacting the criminal justice system. And there seems to be quite a few. So, uh, James, I, I hope I don't, you know, throw too much at you here, but I assume you're ready no, to share I, some I, details I, with us. I, I appreciate the, the lead-in, Jim. And, uh, and you know, the, our listeners should know that you bring some of these laws to my attention. So uh, this will be interesting. This, this, this is new stuff here, uh, new ground to cover, and, uh, and, and, and some, some new developments here. I, I think are quite interesting. So uh, happy yeah. Veterans Day. And with that, let's uh, – Let's get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I I guess the big one everyone talks about, we've heard so much about over the last year or so, is the legalization of of recreational marijuana, which takes, you know, effect in Illinois January 1st. And let's just make the blanket statement that that doesn't just mean anytime, anywhere. There's still going to be some restrictions around that. But uh, that's probably for another time. But I know when you and I talked about it first, you you were concerned about the expungement element. First of all, you know, what does the law include in terms of, of maybe releasing people from, from previous uh, things on their record? Right. And, and, there, and, and they did provide some, some framework for expunging uh, past offenses when they sought to decriminalize. And really, you know, the, 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 the General Assembly and in their, uh, their uh, uh, preliminary or their, their findings uh, related mm-hmm. to, the, to the statute it said they find and declare that the use of cannabis should be legal for persons 21 years of age and older and should be taxed in a manner similar to alcohol. And that's the guidance they gave on that kind of decriminalization of it. But there's some framework provided with expungement. And um, the uh, Illinois State Police have been tasked with expunging these records, um, doing the research and expunging these records. And they've been given a, a time frame, so they, they, they're supposed to go in order of the more recent arrests and then uh, you know, on down the line. So, if I think one of the, when we originally uh, did a podcast on this, Jim, we talked about the importance of people who who want to be proactive in getting their record expunged. That they can certainly go about either, either retaining counsel or either on their own um, doing the research and filing their own petitions to expunge. So, if you want to move that up a little bit, that's where you want to go. So, you, you, yeah. the expungement can be done on your own sooner. And there's other things that aren't that don't necessarily fit into that, you know, the minor cannabis uh, uh, amounts of less than 30 grams that are, that would still be eligible for an expungement. You know, again, we need to take a look at, you know, getting it filed and getting it in, 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 into court. But there's other other um, offenses that were they're eligible as well um, that are kind of outside of the framework that was presented in, in the legislation. Interesting, interesting. Well, uh, we'll talk about where people can get a hold of you here in a couple of minutes because I know you've been looking into this. And again, you know, getting that off the record can be very important to people, and, and they may want to follow up on that. Now, 
it's interesting in a similar vein, uh, you and I have talked, when we talk about DUIs and, and offenses like that, um, how that can often lead to the suspension of a driver's license. But I didn't realize there's there's been on the books other offenses that can lead to the state sort of suspending your license for things not related to driving at all. And it looks like a new bill that went to the governor recently, uh, Senate Bill 1786, sort of caught all of that. and takes away some of that ability to, to suspend a license. Can you share a little bit about what's going on there? Right, and it, it, it was a license to work act, and I think it, it dealt with some of the unfairness of having your license suspended to things that aren't necessarily related to ability to, to drive or moving offenses while driving, all right? Um, if somebody has a history of, you know, DUI-related activity, well, we're gonna, they're going to get their license suspended. Most people wouldn't argue with that, you know, that, that, that's proper, right? But there's a, yeah. there's a safety element to that. But, you know, for somebody to be suspended for not paying their, their parking tickets in the city or tollway violations or something like that, it's not, it's not based to an ability or to any wrongdoing behind the wheel or, you know, trying to correct bad behavior. It's related mm-hmm. to simply, you know, things like paying, paying fines and tickets and things like that. So, um, I think the the, the the License to Work Act went to address, you know, people's uh, ability to be able to still generate an income, you know, and, but address these matters outside of the framework of the Secretary of State suspending licenses. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, it was interesting, too, as we looked at some of these changes coming, um, how they were sort of, I could draw them back to conversations you and I have had here on, on the series about uh, different laws and different um, elements of, of prosecution and defense. And, and we often talk about um, being able to get at certain information, uh, have the police being able to access information to use. Um, and one of the things that just seems to be easily accessible these days and have so much information about people is the contacts and behaviors on their cell phone. Um, and it looks like now there's going to be a new law in Illinois that's going to maybe restrict or change how police can get uh, a warrant to get that cell phone record information. Um, is this going to have some impact on, on some of the cases that you see? Well, I think so, Jim, and it, it makes sense that the police are seeking this activity, this information, because there's value. It, it, it's evidence of, of people's you know, activity, their life. Just think what what's contained on a phone these days compared compared to, you know, say what what a phone was when when we were kids, Jim. You know, it, there was a rotary phone sitting. Uh, it, it was attached <laughs> in, in your house. You couldn't go anywhere with it, right? It had no information. If you wanted to get if government wanted information, they would have physically tap that line, and you would need a warrant to do that. But these cell towers now with the, the, the location information and all the data that's that's generated and stored, and that they can use to track. You know, movement, you know, it, it track it, our individual, you know, freedoms. Um, sure. They, they, the, the, the legislature has gone a little bit uh, to protecting us and saying you need a warrant to get that sort of information, same as you would otherwise. So um, I'm anxious to see how this shakes out, but it's definitely a move in the right direction. Uh, that this this is important, uh, privileged and private information that people did not willingly share it with the police, but it's getting, they're getting it, you know, through these uh, um, access to these, these uh, cell tower information. So um, they need a warrant now, and uh, I think it's a good step. Yeah, important, uh, certainly an important change there. Now, 
Uh, we've talked about things like this in the past, and, and as always, I'm, I'm with uh, Attorney James Dore of the Felt Law, um, and I would invite you listeners to go back and, and review uh, really what's several years' <clears throat> worth of discussions now by visiting lavellelaw.com. Uh, or you can search for Liberty and the Law on Blog Talk Radio or, or iTunes. Um, and you can also get to know James better by checking out his profile at lavellelaw.com. And um, that's where you can find out where to reach him because as things like expungement um, may warrant the assistance of a, a legal professional like James, uh, a great, great time to get in touch with him and see where he can assist. Um, you know, some of these laws come out of recent headlines, and, and in 2019 there's a just a tragic story in the news about a high school student who, who ultimately committed suicide after being interrogated by the police while in school. Um, uh, just a, just an awful story. Now, the Illinois General Assembly kind of picked up on that, and they passed a, a bill, uh, 2627, to set some new guidelines for questioning students. Are you, are you familiar with this law? I am. It's a, it's a, 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 a again, a nice nice development here, and, it, and I think it goes to address some of the balance of power and and the things that, like you pointed out, with that with that young uh, young man who committed suicide, you know, this this could be a traumatic uh, event, and mm-hmm. you know there has to be some structure to this. So I, I think it's a it's a it's a good development, in in making sure that a, uh, that a student is not overwhelmed. That there's again a balance of power. I guess so there's somebody present with the student, which you know, ideally the parents should be there. So. Mm-hmm. Um, to the notification law, so the parents would be uh, notified that there's any questioning that's going to proceed on, on school grounds, but it also has some provisions where other people could kind of, I guess, take the place of the parent if the parent is not, one of the parents is not available here. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a good a good development. I, 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 I um, find it encouraging. Certainly seems like it provides a, yeah, it provides a necessary protection for, for these young people at a, at a very, you say, a very difficult time. Um, and it just says simply yeah. that before, you know, the student's detained and questioned, you know, that there's there's attempts to notify the parents or guardians to be there. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, that reasonable time and efforts be made. It seems pretty reasonable to me. I, 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 I you know, I, I, I think it's a good thing. And like I said, in the balance of power, I think it's a good a good law. Uh, as, as we've discussed different types of criminal offenses, uh, sometimes we have looked at, uh, the sentencing process that that follows, and um, what you, uh, as a criminal defense attorney, might do to to uh, either try and negotiate a, a certain arrangement or to reduce um, the sentencing requirements. Um, Illinois has House Bill 2444, which now asks, if I read it correctly, that that um, uh, judges take into consideration. Um, Sort of family life, defendants who have children, and what that might mean if the parent is incarcerated. Um, is this another positive move from from your point of view? Right. Uh, we've talked about these statutory factors in, in aggravation and mitigation in previous podcasts, Jim. And these mm-hmm. are things that you know that the legislature has taken the time to to codify, to to put in law, saying to judges, you are to consider this. Um, now the judges, it's up to the judge to do the proper the weighing of what what the judge has to consider, but there's things that the statute, you know, by statute, are are to be considered by the judge. And they, and, and in fairness, that the state legislature points out factors in mitigation, factors in aggravation that can be used in in these scheme, these schemes. But in this one, this this, and he brought this to my attention, Jim. This this 
this bill. Um, but it, 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 it's one of those kind of societal needs type of, uh, of uh, um, uh, being addressed here in this legislation, mm -hmm. and that is the okay. children of somebody being uh, a criminal defendant. So if somebody's being sentenced, you know, they're, the judge is being told to consider things like, you know, is, is this parent of, of breastfeeding age? Is there a child being breastfed at the time? Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're supposed to look at the, the caregiving and the needs of the children uh, um, in, in school and the role of the parent day to day. So there's things here that the judge is being told to consider how the, um, the well-being of the child can be negatively affected by the parent's absence by being incarcerated. So it's this is I think these are things the judges inherently knew about, but it just gets some statutory teeth behind it. You know, say judge, you, you these are factors we want to point out, and it's a uh, it's a it's a nice uh, statement by the by the legislature that these uh, these factors are important. We've got just about a minute left here, but I, I want to follow up on that. When, when you sort of uh, frame the conversation about you talking to a judge and trying to present certain things, and that's part of the job, but at the same time with you know changes in law like this happening on a regular basis, um, is it sometimes your role in the courtroom to not only remind but maybe inform a judge of, hey, that there's, a, there's something new on the books here. We didn't take it into account before, judge, but I want you to make sure you know about this at this time. Yeah, I would just say that this is a statutory factor in mitigation, and I'd spell out the statute and and say and just present it like that. I don't want to act like I'm teaching the judge anything, you know what I mean, Jim? But you know, there's a little politics involved there. But it doesn't hurt to, to just cite the statute and say this is a factor in mitigation, and then and then spell it out. That's all we need to do. Well, um, as always, I appreciate you spelling things out for us here, uh, Attorney James Doris, with a lot taking time to. Talk about some of these new laws uh, for end of 2019, beginning of 2020 here in Illinois, and there's a lot more to cover, and uh, there may be things that impact you as a listener. So I want to uh, invite you to call James Dore at 847-705-7555, or uh, check in at LavelleLaw.com, and you can get uh, the opportunity there to reach out to him uh, electronically as well. So thanks to James for being here. Thanks to you for uh, listening, and we certainly look forward to uh, upcoming conversations here on Liberty and the Law.